0: Welcome to the podcast, Bringing Truth to Life, where we talk about what the scriptures say that can help you get unstuck from the thorny issues of life and encourage you to live the life you've been wanting to live with Christ. Our speaker today is Henry Clay. We are in a series called, Hey, Who's in Charge Anyway? And we'll be looking at a biblical model for leadership. Let's think about the pattern of God's leadership And how can we follow his example as we lead others? Let's go ahead and get started. I'm going to open with talking to God, okay? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can meet and open the scriptures and learn and apply and be blessed. Be our special guest, host, guide, commander today. Lead us forward in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the fifth class on a series of, hey, who's in charge anyway? And our first four weeks, we were looking at the obvious answer to the question, which is God Almighty, but that is not the only answer to the question, because God created us in his image, and if he is a king and commander and a ruler— Uh, The Bible teaches us that He's made us that way, even though it's on a smaller, obviously, scale. Uh, But we are like Him. And we looked at the picture of leadership in the Bible when you want to try to get an idea of what is this thing supposed to look like. And the main picture in the Scriptures for God-like leadership is the shepherd metaphor. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The pattern of God's leadership, if you delve into that further, is lead, develop, care. If you were trying to say, well, can you give me the cliff notes on the shepherd metaphor of leadership, what would it be? And it's lead, develop, and care. Why don't you say that with me? Ready? One, two, three. Lead, develop, care. One more time lead, develop, care. Didn't take that long to say that, and yet those three words are almost like the three three biggest oceans in the world, the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, and whichever other one is the biggest. I'm not sure on the square miles there, but these are very obviously large terms, and we have looked over the last number of weeks about how God does that in our lives, how He leads us. He's the Lord, how He develops us. He's always about our sanctification, our growth. He teaches us. Uh, He models for us. He coaches us by the Holy Spirit, and also how He cares for us. In the gospel, that's uh, God's brand, so to speak. He's, He's a caring God. In fact, when we think of shepherd leadership, that's mostly what we think about. It's all the good things He does for us that we appreciate. But today, We are switching today to now begin to focus on what does that imply for our leadership, our leadership in our own lives, our leadership in our family, with our children, with our grandchildren, in our world, uh, in our old age, in our retirement. What does that imply? What does that mean? Because in Genesis 1.28, the first word to the first man and woman in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible, God says two things, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, et cetera, et cetera, and rule, have dominion. He talks about fruitfulness, and he talks about ruling and having dominion. That is over every human being that's ever born on the planet. Why? Because we're created in the image of one who is a ruler, who is a leader. So let's go back over our definition that we looked at when we thought about God, but now let's think about it related to us. Our definition, intentionally influencing and enabling people to accomplish a given task. Now remember, there's lead, development and care, and we're zeroing in just on the lead part. It's a double click on that part. So we're thinking about that. What does that mean to lead, intentionally influencing and enabling people to accomplish a given task? I kind of like the way that says that because it doesn't say to stand up with a loud voice and boss everybody around. You know, it's, it, there's, there's more to it, isn't there? And it is interesting uh, meditating on, okay, from what we know, God is in charge of everything. He has all authority and... He has all power. Now, there are times you've had authority, but you haven't had power. So you have issued your orders and directives, and nobody did anything, and then you think, okay, now what do I do? You know? But God has all power. He said, wow, what would that be like to have all authority and all power? And yet, even though God is that way, look at how He leads us. There have been times He's given you an awful lot of tether and you went off in the wrong direction that he had told you not to go in, and he just lets you go. So I don't know, it's kind of like a fly fisherman or something. He just lets you take that, and you run with it. And he says, I'll just let him go for a while. then <laughs> I kind of reel him back in, but it's not like he's got you on this short leash where he says, no, 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 this, this or this. Think about how God is influencing and enabling you over time And yet, giving you a fair amount of slack, even to make mistakes and even to rebel, intentionally influencing and enabling people to accomplish a given task. The LEAD part of LEAD developed care is all around a given task. There's something that needs to be done, this group of people. So I wanted to share a quote with you that I found uh, very challenging, very interesting from Henry Cloud, talking about uh, leadership in general, pe- leading people. He says, you are ridiculously in charge. In the end, as a leader, you have what you create and what you allow. Now, a lot of people don't even really see themselves as leaders, and even if you are the leader, you still don't see yourself that much as the leader. And what he's try- the point he's trying to make here is Whatever you're in charge of, you're in charge. Act like it. Fulfill your role. Don't, don't make excuses. Don't go passive. Don't lose your initiative. Don't lose your courage. I think lead. If lead developed care, lead takes the most courage. Because care, it's like, well, people like you to care for them, so that's kind of nice. Develop, uh, well, that's more like, about growth, teaching, that's not quite so challenging, but the lead part where you come in and try to influence and enable your 15-year-old to clean up their room or whatever it might be, that takes more courage. You're ridiculously in charge. I want you to think about it. You're ridiculously in charge of your own life, your own walk with the Lord. If you have children of your children, if your husband and wife... You're ridiculously in charge of your marriage. No one else is in charge of your marriage. You're ridiculously in charge of the last 20 years of your life. And in the end, as that leader, you will have what you create and what you allow. You're not just a victim. You're not just a cork floating along in the water with the current. God, hear me. God has made you to lead. Not lead everything, but also not lead nothing. God has given you a portion of His creation that He wants you to act like a leader. You are, at least of that part, you are ridiculously in charge. So what are you going to do with it? Well, I want to talk to you about... We're going to double-click now on lead and go in deeper and look at four ways, four things, four operational aspects that this entails. What does it mean you're supposed to lead in your domain? The first is you set direction. There, there's, there needs to be a target. Uh, what are we doing? So here's some questions that help in setting direction. Who should be involved in setting direction? In this particular thing. So if you have a two-year-old, who should be involved in setting direction for the two-year-old? Well, probably mom and dad. Uh, If the child is eight years old, you might ask and be interested in their opinions, but you're still it's kind of mom and dad. But if the child is fifteen, it's like, well, we really want to fully include they're old enough now to be a part of this decision. And when they're 25, maybe they won't even include you in the decision. It shifts, doesn't it? But the first question is, who should be involved in setting direction? It is often a shared responsibility, isn't it? Second question, where are we going? What's, what, what is the target? Where are we going? Third, why are we going there? Often thought isn't given to this. Well, we're doing this. Well, why? I don't know. You know, it just seemed like that was what was next. Well, maybe it shouldn't be next. What would success look like? An amazing question. What would success look like if we really accomplished what we're setting out to do? What would it look like if it was done well? What are our current realities? Because often you have a great plan, it's just that there's no way with what's going on right now that that's even possible, so you have to adjust to current realities. And finally, what boundaries will help us get there? What are the things you're going to have to say no to in order to have hope of accomplishing what you're shooting for? You see how set direction is a bit more involved than saying, well, let's drive to Atlanta this weekend. I mean, it's not, actually not that easy of a question to answer a lot of times. When you think about, you're a young person, what's, what's the direction you're setting? You're not just going with the flow, well, they said I needed to go to college, so I don't know, I guess I'll go to college. It's like, no, think about it. Think like a leader. What you're trying to do in the decade of the teens is you're trying to wake up the leader in them. If you were to put it in a nutshell, you're trying to inform them, coach them into doing lead, develop, and care for their own life and for the rest of their life. Setting direction. It's not that easy to set direction for a marriage. Well, we, what's, the, what's your direction for your marriage? Well, uh, not get divorced. Well, okay, that's a start. Uh, but you could probably lift your sights a little bit higher than that that 's like saying what 's your direction for your house, not burn it down yeah uh, you know be a little bit more ambitious than that what would what would honor God uh, if i 'm talking with someone they say well i I have a a nine year old child i 'd ask them well what 's the direction you 're setting for this child? What do they need to be learning in the next two years that 's going to help set them up?" to be more successful in their teen years. Think about it. Think like a leader. What direction are you setting? Where are we going? Why are we going there? What would success look like? It's not enough, though, to set direction. The second thing is you need to align. And that has to, it needs to be together. It's the synergy. It's the operation of all the different parts that come together to make this a possibility. You align in thinking, in actions, in people, in resources. You've got, Say you've got a group of people at work or you've got your family at home. There are plenty of times when mom and dad or, or just mom or just dad will say, well, we need to do this or stop doing that. And all of a sudden, there's rebellion. There's, oh, you know, this and that and the other. There's not alignment. You've set direction, but the next challenge is getting people on the same page. The first type of alignment is in thinking. As our group of people, our family, or at work, our church, are we aligned? What would help us get on the same page in how we view this? Even if we don't totally all agree, at least we're basically on the same page. It doesn't mean total agreement, but it does mean that work has been done to make the case that this is a good thing. Second, the alignment of actions—the right things done in the right way at the right time Build momentum and bring results. The right things done in the right way at the right time. So you say you've set direction, you want to follow Christ. And you know that relating to Jesus is a, is a personal relationship. So you've got the overall set direction. I have decided to follow Jesus. But alignment then is, well, what is it you're going to do each day that's going to keep you on the same page with Jesus? Maybe it be have a, have a quiet time, a daily time in the morning where you read the Bible and pray. That's an alignment of actions. And even if it's only five to ten minutes, I talked to a pretty much a brand-new Christian yesterday. We had coffee. And talking to him about the best practices of Christianity. And one of those is starting every day with God. That's an alignment thing that gets you every day. You get set to... Connect with God, be in tune with what He wants you to do in your life, to be oriented toward heaven, to remind yourself of true north, that daily time with God. That's an action. Alignment of actions. Alignment of people, because everybody's not going to do the same thing necessarily. And finally, alignment of resources. You have a limited number of resources—money, time, abilities. Could be things as well, cars or property or whatever, but an alignment toward it, well, if this is what we're going to do, what does that mean for all of these pieces, how we can make the best use and move forward? If our church decides, well, we want to be a missional church, we want to help reach Columbia for Christ, that's the set direction. But what would have to change so that we're actually successful in making progress in that? The third thing a leader is responsible for, and I'm talking to every person that's sitting here because you're all made in the image of God, and therefore you're all leaders of some part of His domain, you're not only supposed to set direction and align, you're also supposed to think about, well, how do I motivate the people that I'm leading? Now, Right now, you may only be leading yourself. Have, not, have you never struggled with being motivated? I have. (laughs) Uh, That's the the wind in the sails, or the lack of it. That's one of the most challenging uh, things sometimes to work out. Uh, you, You want your child to clean up their room, or help with the dishes, or whatever it is, and it's very seldom you come up with a brilliant parental idea like that, and it's met with applause. Oh, I was waiting for the opportunity to help out, and uh, you finally thought of me. (laughs) I said, oh, no. And so you think, oh, this is a motivate issue, you know? How do you motivate people? How do you motivate yourself? There's an interesting book by Simon Sinek, you may have heard of him, called Start With Why. It's not just what you do. It's why you do it. And think about, okay, well, let's... uh, Kids, we need to go to church. Ah, Dad, I don't like church anymore. Why should I go to church? The why question comes up. And you need to have a better answer for that. Uh, One of your children or grandchildren curses, and they say, I don't see what's the problem. Everybody does it. What's the motivation behind the good, pure use of the tongue? What's wrong with a bad word? that motivation question the why question you've set direction you're of, you're you're aligning but then you need to think i need to make sure i've thought about and can articulate the the compelling why i did want to mention here a new book by my friend uh, Nicholas nicolas trancini called deep changes the whole book is about How do you really change on the inside? You know, when you come into the church or you grow up in the church, there are certain things that you're supposed to do, and there are other things that are no-nos. You don't do those things. And it could be because you are in this environment and, and you don't want to make people upset with you that you conform to those things. But then a person might leave this place or or go to church or even go to the football game (laughs) and act in a different way because they're not surrounded by the people that they were wanting to please. So it's not actually this this behavior isn't coming from a deep place. It's coming just in a superficial way. And this book talks about how do you change more deeply to do things out of a true love for God? rather than just a desire to look okay and be approved. So I wanted to share that with you. It's a, it's a book, actually, that's been translated into three or four languages, and their goal with uh, the sale of the book in English is to make a copy available for every Arab-speaking Christian in the world for free. Now, I've heard of a lot of schemes in my life, but that's a new one on me. Uh, But what a wonderful thing, thinking of how they're stewarding the book to bless the whole world. So in in the U.S., you pay full price, whatever that is, $20 or something. In Latin America, Spanish-speaking America, it's half price, and for Arab Christians, it's free. So anyway, just in case you're interested. Well, so what? Let's uh, well, now we move to manage. So we've got you've got set direction, align, motivate, and finally manage. If you're if you're baking a cake, you've set direction. I'm going to bake a birthday cake. Align is well. Let's see. I need a recipe. I need I need a kitchen. I need uh, pans. I need flour, uh, etc. I need time. That's a alignment of thinking, actions, people, resources. Motivate. Well, it's my wife's birthday, so that's why I'd like to bake a cake and want to celebrate her. But manage is where you actually then begin to work through it all, and to your horror you realize you're missing a key ingredient. We had a friend uh, who was uh, wonderful with children, uh, not quite so wonderful in the kitchen. And she, but she really wanted to make our friends in Argentina this cake, so she gets going with all of her enthusiasm. She was always very enthusiastic. And at one point, the, the recipe book falls off the table, and she can't remember which page it is, so she opens it up and just picks one and starts again. The cake was totally inedible, you know? So she'd set directions, she'd align, she was motivated, but she didn't manage manages, particularly when you're leading people like at work, it's knowing how close and how much space to give to the people that you're you're leading. It's how much help do they want and do they need to ensure success. Now, there's some leaders that, under the guise of being trusting, they completely abandon it. They leave you on your own. And there are others that are watching everything. No, no, no. And, and here, and, and they're almost kind of like, do, no, let me just do it. You know, they're too present. So the challenge of managing, whether it's your children or at work, it's how how much engagement is wanted, is needed to ma- ensure maximum success. Another example of that is when you last decided that. You're just not in the physical condition you should be in, and you need to work on your diet and your exercise. And I, most likely that was around January uh, in one of your years. I don't know why we think about that in January, but maybe it's because we're recovering from Christmas festivities. And, uh, or we've gotten some new clothes and we don't fit in them, or whatever it is. But anyway, you, so you set, you set this direction, you align, you join the gym, etc., you're at least motivated then. And then around three weeks into January, you're on a trip or someone invites you over to dinner or something else, and you, you hadn't thought through how to manage these moments when you would tend to give yourself excuses to get off of your plan. That's that managed part where you're kind of ensuring the success along the way. That's oversight. So, this gives you an idea when we say, Well, you're a leader and you're leading in your life, your family, your marriage, at work, with your finances, with your health. What do we mean? Well, you set direction, you align, you motivate, and you manage. Let's say those four together. Ready? Ready? One, two, three. Set direction, align, motivate, manage. One more time. Set direction, align, motivate, manage. Now, this model we're looking at, the Shepherd model, it's very simple words. It's lead, develop, care, and then it's set, direction, align, motivate, manage, and we'll look at the others for uh, develop and care. But these, this is a a bit of a framework that helps guide your thinking. You know, you want to think about your life, you want to think about your marriage, think about your kids, think about your grown kids, think about your retirement years. This is how a leader thinks. This is how you would, the kind of questions you would ask yourself to walk it through. And it's not necessarily always easy to come up with the answer, but it was good for you to think about it. You can feel the intentionality, even if you're challenged to come up with a, what you're convinced of as the best answer. So let's think about this a little bit. Uh, This has application, like I said, at work. Some of you may have some people that report to you at work. All of you have yourself, so that's kind of your your bare minimum, right? You're in charge of you, and there are a number of aspects of you, aren't there? There's your your spiritual life, your family and relational life. There's your public service life. There are things that you might give to or ways you might serve. There's your, your health, uh, if you're married, your marriage, etc. So let's think about now, I want, you, I want to stop now, and I want you to pick something that you're leading. You can pick yourself, if you lead a team, if there's someone that looks to you for leadership. It could be your marriage. You might want to think about just one of your children or just one of your grandchildren. You might want to think about your finances, your walk with Christ, your health, but pick one thing or person that is under your leadership. And I want you to take a moment to think about, with that person or with that area of my life, what is my target? What is the direction? If it's your marriage, what's the direction? of our marriage right now. What are we really about? Where are we going in the next two years in our relationship? So I'm gonna give you just a moment to think about that. I'm not gonna give you tons of time because people are watching online, but online you can try it as well. Pick one person, one part of your life and ask yourself the question, what's my target? Where am I going? Second, I want you to think about align. What are the alignment issues, and how are you going to address those? Now, obviously, you would normally take a couple of hours for this, so we're just kind of giving you, this is like an appetizer. You know when they give you the light, like half a piece of shrimp and a little piece of parsley on it? So I realize, you know, this is just representative. But think for just a moment on that direction that you put down. What might be some alignment issues? Different factors that would relate to that that would be necessary to think about. A young person might have set direction, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going, working on going to college in the next couple of years. Well, what's gonna be necessary if that's gonna happen in terms of the grades you need to make, the self-control you need to, and, and self-discipline you need to develop? What do you need as, as far as alignment of resources? and decision on which place to go. Those are the alignment issues. Third, let's think about motivate. What is going to put the wind in the sail? So if it's you, some area of your life, what's going to motivate you for that thing with your health, with your finances, your walk with God? If it's someone you're leading, what would be the things that would most motivate them? And finally, manage. What might you need as far as structure or accountability to ensure success? Things don't—you can't just put them on automatic pilot and it always work out. Uh, sometimes we wish that was the case, but uh, we sort of talk ourselves in and out of things, don't we? So, what would it take to ensure success? What kind of structure might you need? So, as a grandfather, I might set direction. I really want my grandchildren to start to love and understand God. So that would be my, my set direction and what part I could play in that. A line might be in terms of uh, aligning my time to where I make sure busy Henry doesn't always be doing his things and doesn't make time to do stuff with the grandkids and act like I would rather not be any other place. I also have to align my thinking that I'm not the parent. I don't, I'm not in charge of this person staying out of jail and uh, always behaving. I'm the grandparent. So that's a, uh, a new place of privilege where I don't have to take primary responsibility for discipline. If it gets to something like that, that's their parent's role. So I can give more focus on being gracious and graceful with my grandchildren, and aligning what kind of things I might be able to do with them that would get them intrigued about spiritual things. How might I motivate them? Well, I have a little place that I, I like to go to pray in the garage, so it's kind of a special place, and so uh, one day, Charlie, four, five? is up early, and I said, well, Charlie, come on out with me while I have my quiet time. Now, you need to sit there very quietly and don't get in the way because I, I pace when I pray, so I don't want to step on you, you know, but, and put on music and just let him be with me as I have some time with God. But thinking how to, how to motivate these children to really fall in love with God. And then managing, is there any kind of a thing I could give more thought to to set up that's not just a one-off thing, but something that's kind of ongoing. Now, it could be that it frustrates you that you can't get it all nailed down and perfect and get all the right answers, but this is the type of thinking that a leader does. They set direction, they align, they motivate, they manage. You're intentionally influencing and enabling people and yourself to accomplish a given task Think like a leader, because you are one. You are in charge of a part of God's world, and He is going to ask you and me one day to give an account for that part. We don't want to be full of excuses. We may not feel like we ever do a great job. That's okay. God works through very limited, weak relatively uninformed, sort of wayward humans. That's who we are. He seems to like to do that, so we're going to be okay with that. And we're going to give all of the glory to him. This takes being courageous and being faithful. I'm speaking to you, young men, you young women, you fathers, you mothers, you grandfathers, you grandmothers, you older men, you older women, Embrace what God has given you to be made in his image as a ruler over part of his creation. And it's not to get, it's to give. It's not to be served, it's to serve. It's to bring glory to God by being more intentional in the way we influence and enable ourselves and others to accomplish the task that God's given us. Jesus, at the end of his life in John 17:3, said... Father, I have glorified you on the earth. It's not 17.3. I think it's 17.2. I have glorified you on the earth by accomplishing the task you gave me to do. Will you be able to say that? Father, I have glorified you on the earth because I have accomplished the task that you gave me to do. May God help you be like him in this part of lead, setting direction, aligning, motivating, and managing. Take some time to think about it. Pick, pick an area. You've got to start somewhere. Pick a person, pick an area, pick something, and think through when you've got a little bit more time than I can give you, set direction, align, motivate, manage. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Help us, Lord, to number our days that we can present to you a heart of wisdom. We don't have forever. We have a certain amount of time. Help us to make the most of this time to serve you, to love people. Help us, Lord, to step into this privilege and responsibility of leading our part of your creation. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Bringing Truth to Life. If the message has encouraged you, please subscribe and give us a review. This helps more people find our podcast. We hope you'll join us again for the next podcast of Bringing Truth to Life.